0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Everybody, welcome to Saturday Morning Serial. I'm Grim Shay Joining me as always, Mr. Markey. Say hey, Markey. Hey, hey. Hey, everybody. <laughs> guess, guess what time it is. <laughs> I know. You know what time it is? It's been a few months, so it must be just about time for yet another Nobility <clears throat> Update.
2: <laughs> That's that. right, everybody.
1: Long-time fans of the show. We've been talking Nobility for years now. It literally is That years. show that you haven't seen yet? Yep. Guess what, Marky? Kamikaze. Kamikaze. October 31st, I believe. This Halloween, 2015, <laughs> October 31st at Kamikaze up in uh, the great city of Los Angeles. Uh-huh. They will be having the world premiere. The
2: red carpet.
1: Nobility. Red carpet. World premiere. Uh, sparing no expenses. No. It's really, it's finally upon us. Yeah, yeah. And when I say it's finally upon us, I just mean the premiere. This is such an experiment. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this production This show This series of movies Or webisodes For those of you who, who aren't caught up Nobility is a sci-fi theme show Coming from uh, uh, Sci-fi geek extraordinaire E.J. De La Pena The crazy mind of E.J. The crazy mind of E.J. De La Pena <laughs> yeah. uh, And he has uh, written and designed And thought this whole thing up And he's producing it More or less on his own With his uh, company uh, Cowboy Errant Productions uh-huh. That's correct uh, and they are – they're just doing it backwards. The old days, the network would say, we need a show that's got sci-fi. And then yeah. they would hire a bunch of writers, and they would make a, a <laughs> sci-fi idea and, and get the right actors. He's going the other way. He said, the world needs a show about sci-fi.
0: So yeah. I'm going to write it. I'm going to call
1: some actors. I'm going to get the studio. I'm going to book all the time. So they've cre- – They—they they, I think they're still finishing. I don't know what level of production uh-huh. they're in, but the pilot is apparently now officially finished, mm-hmm. and that is what they're going to premiere for the fans at kamikaze,
2: yeah, and I think it's I think it's it's only fair to prepare the uninitiated who mm. might be listening. Let's just go over some of the cast, oh it's okay, amazing cast um James Kaisan. Yep, James Kyson from Heroes. From Heroes. He played uh, Ando. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Adrian Wilkinson, who was in Xena. She was little baby sister Xena warrior princess. Yep. Okay. Yep. And she's a Star Wars alumnus. Um, yep. She's all over that. And I believe a, a
1: soon-to-be Star Trek alumnus. That's right. Yep.
2: She's also in Star Trek. Speaking of Star Trek, Sir Walter Koenig. Sir Walter, he has not been knighted, but we will still call him Sir Walter Kane. <laughs> he <laughs> he might
1: deserves well. that right. designation. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Chekhov himself uh-huh. uh, is in this. Doug Jones. The man behind the mask, Doug Jones. Doug Jones. Uh-huh. Uh, Cass Anvar, uh-huh. who, don't, don't forget uh, who is great. We've talked to him a couple of times. Uh-huh. He is really gung-ho about this project. I mean, it's so grassroots that a lot of the early actors are also producers. They're right. putting their own money and time uh-huh. into this. They want to see it done. We don't know where it's going to end up. No, feels at this point pretty safe to say it'll probably be on the internet somewhere.
2: Well, I kind of hope it does. I mean, I am a recent. Uh, um, I have cut the cord.
1: Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you for that. I did it. I did it. I'm not quite there. It is definitely coming up.
2: Uh uh-huh. I think we're all heading in this direction, you yeah. know. I think we subscribe to enough little things here and there. Yeah. In fact, I, just just
1: the other day I I bumped my Hulu membership up to the commercial free zone. Oh, wow. You're going crazy. I am, I'm like uh, another 4 dollars a month that is pennies compared to what I'm giving time Warner.
2: <laughs> and what and and how many uh, uh, Southwest Airlines flights you're buying and all the Pepsi's you're drinking because uh, you're such a sucker to the advertisement. Exactly. This so, is just going to
1: save me four dollars in the long run. <laughs>
2: yeah. Finally, I'll stop getting another Geico policy every day. <laughs> That's
1: right. There's a million of those. <laughs> but anyway, so I so so th- this th- he's thinking forward. I think he want he's not committing uh, to any platform yet. Mm-hmm. He just says this. I'm making this for fans, and I really hope somebody who wants to make money off it and can do so respectfully, we'll pick it up and distribute it the right way. I don't know where they are at that point. That's yeah, that's yeah. the thing we'll start talking to EJ about as soon as I've seen this damn pilot. Or sooner. Or sooner. <laughs> or sooner. I still can't get any answers out of him because actually today uh, we will be hearing some conversations that I had with uh, uh, both uh, EJ De La Pena himself and the newest uh, addition mm-hmm. to the cast, Ellen Dubin. Mm-hmm from napoleon dynamite uh from she's you know old school heartthrob kind of and and
2: such a nice lady and, and and apparently a long crush of 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 our founder maddie, maddie, P maddie himself. Himself. <laughs> yes, i think she uh what you told me she she followed him on uh, twitter after yeah the
1: interview and it just blew his mind
2: yeah he was like oh my god the hot chick from Napoleon Dynamite just followed me and I'm like, wait, what
0: <laughs> he just
2: he didn't figure out what the heck was going on because we, you know, we had her on the show and 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 she's just being nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah, she followed Matty P and yeah, he's just like just head over heels. And you're gonna you're gonna hear uh more more from her as we talk to her about
1: uh well, about the show. Mm-hmm and about and I talked to both her and EJ of course about nobility because we want to know more about it and they keep telling me yeah you'll find out at the premiere uh and if you can make it up to Kamikaze listeners please do so mm-hmm. get on those tickets
2: now yeah it's coming up in just a few weeks it's coming up it's coming up super super fast um as you guys know this is the stan lee comic expo mm-hmm. Um, I believe it's in its probably fourth or fifth year. It hasn't been that long, but it's it's one of the better attended. It, you know, it gets really good studio support, being that it's in LA, and it's it was founded by the oh, living Stan legend, Lee, Mr. Marvel, Mr. Marvels, uh, Spider Man, and Captain America, and yada yada yada. I mean, we all know who Stan Lee is, and so yeah, this is this is his version of a, what a comic con should be, and um, so far. The guests that have been announced are Grant Morrison, Stanley himself, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, uh, Dita Von Tess. Who's that? Uh, Dita Von Tess. She's a, a suicide girl oh, type. Uh, oh. She's a model and an actress. And, oh, I like that. You know? Yeah. Mike Mignola. You know who that is? Uh, the name's familiar, but that's all. <laughs> Well apparently he is best known as the award winning creator, writer, artist of Hellboy.
0: Oh well there you yeah, go. There See you I go. know his work.
2: Uh-huh. Oh yeah, we, we love his work. So um and th- this is just I'm just I just poked onto the webpage, so um there's a lot of stuff here, if you guys can make it. Uh Comic Con is at the LA Convention Center October thirtieth to november first, twenty fifteen. The highlight of which is gonna be October thirty first, Halloween. And we're all going to be there on the red carpet to see finally the premiere of nobility. Finally, years in the making. Yeah, it's it's, and, it's, and, it's and show we, have that we all talk to
1: almost everybody in the cast at this point. Uh-huh. We've talked to EJ multiple times. Miracle Laurie. Miracle Lori is another example.
2: Yeah, it just goes on and on. And it's if for all of you that are pissed off or at least confused at what the hell C.C. is. It's sci-fi. Oh, Sci-fi. Like, it's sci-fi. Sorry. This show is like, hey, sci-fi is hip and cool and all that stuff.
1: Yeah, and I think, and it is, it is now.
2: Yeah, it is regardless.
1: You have it. It's no longer like a subdivision of of movies, right? It is. It's know, driving it. It's it's driving a lot. A yeah. lot of the blockbusters, mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of the the action, the superhero movies have a lot of sci-fi in mm-hmm. them. They Most of the good
2: ones do, yeah
1: and and they do, yeah. and there's and you could have the argument of well, there's science fiction and there's science fantasy, there's correct. star Trek and there's star wars correct i don't I don't want to get dragged down into that that kind of minutiae uh-huh. because the whole idea, and I think this is what it does so well, it is one of those perfect genres where you can tell these outlandish, crazy, entertaining stories <sighs> that stretch you know between worlds, right. But they and times. still, but they still are done in order to tell simple human stories that we relate to
2: in our in our lives today. That is prescient, yes, mm-hmm. and that's why we all connect to them so well. It gives us all a universal uh, approach to uh, very common situations and scenarios. And yeah, we all connect yeah. to it. Sci-fi has has been doing that for
1: years. Mm-hmm you know i you mentioned land of the lost
2: yeah uh saturday morning uh, staple
1: yeah
0: yeah
2: i mean it was we watched cartoons and land of the lost
0: yeah
1: right and it and it was in, and they they've there's always been elements of sci-fi mm-hmm. in kids cartoons and stuff because it's it's so much more entertaining to have uh space guys with laser guns yeah than i don't know army guys with regular guns there's Ooh. still room for both but the, you know, it's you have westerns, you have sci-fi's, you have these are just framing devices to tell otherwise important stories.
2: And you know, uh, and EJ and I are due for a long lost duke it out debate conversation mm-hmm. of Star Trek versus Star Wars, right? And so I don't know a lot about Star Trek, and I, I want to learn more. I really liked the. J.J. J. Abrams movies I really liked them so and I, I have seen many of the episodes uh, going back to you know oh. Shatner and all that stuff and I've seen many of the original movies and I, I, I like I, I like many of them but I just don't know Star Trek but I know enough that in the 60s when you couldn't really have a conversation about racism in America without uh-huh. people getting turned up Turned off. Yeah, it you was it was the gay marriage or that kind of bug yeah. where.
1: Yeah. Well, but there's got to be an easy, basic answer to this public discussion, but the public wasn't really ready to have it.
2: Right, and in the and in the framework of the uh, Star Trek show back yeah. in the 60s, Gene Roddenberry in the '60s said, "You know what? It's going to be
1: impossible to get a woman of color in authority mm-hmm. in 1968 mm-hmm. on a primetime television show." So he said, "Well, unless it's in the future." It's in the future. It's on a spaceship. uh, They have aliens Uh there. He's like, we can we can be subversive in the sense that even even our biggest critic can't question that things are going to work different in the future. Exactly.
2: And even deeper than that, the uh, uh, Klingons are. I think they also represent that other culture. Mm -hmm. And you know, trying to bridge those two things, and you know, so it, it was. It's it is it's a vehicle to discuss these things that we may not want to be discussing. Exactly, and all, we all just learn a little something. Yep, and we get entertained.
1: You know, take take a movie like uh, Star Trek uh, Six, I think it is one one of the best in my opinion. Actually, is that, that the one where they're, on the the, uh, they, they're in the frozen jail? They're in the frozen jail. It's where the Klingons. Uh, energy harvesting moon explodes, Uh and we're not sure if we, the Federation, read the United States, are going to help our long-term enemies, read the Soviets, Soviets, when their energy, read Chernobyl,
0: (laughs) (laughs) system collapses,
1: Uh, and it, it brings up these questions, how can we trust the others, how, and if the others seem to act like they're trusting us, does that mean we can, is that more or less reason to trust them is there? It brings up a lot of, and th- this movie came out in the early '90s, which is when all of these questions were very pertinent. But you couldn't make an entertaining movie, even Spielberg at that time couldn't come out and say, "Hey, here's a movie about Americans and Russians not getting along together."
2: It unless would have been they're too hot button at the time, right? I mean, unless they're unless they're shooting each other. You know, like viciously, yeah. <laughs> you know, like like G.I. Joe and Cobra. Exactly. And unless it's exactly that's the only way that, you know, or if you're really creative, you create two white heavyweight champions of boxing and you have them duke it out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's the only other
1: way that you can handle this. Uh, and I love Rocky four <laughs> perhaps more than Rocky one. But still, you can't. You can't not say that was heavy handed. <laughs> wow, that was that was incredibly heavy yes, handed. And yes. handed it handed you <laughs> it handed you that that Americanized moral with a fist. But that's what sci-fi is able to do, though. Right. It's able to take away, it's it allows you to subvert the kind of the painful, direct, head-on addressing uh-huh. of things that are are current that are in this world that don't need to come from a spaceship or a faraway world or a nebula or a haunted event horizon Mm -hmm. coming back from the brink or whatever. Now, now that I brought up event horizon, they don't exactly tell a very human story in that. I would still call it sci-fi, but I think in the end, uh, I think it's sci-fi. It's, it's a sci-fi take on horror. Yeah, I don't want to go too far down the wrong rabbit hole here, mm-hmm. but you can use sci-fi to be so many other things. You're right. Now, You're right. I know whereas back that. when like the day the Earth stood still, it really had to be like a parable for a regular story. Yeah, sci-fi has just become so
2: much more accepted the last twenty, thirty years. Um, the thing was a horror movie, but it's basically sci-fi. I mean, it's about an alien, which is science fiction, you know, and, you know, he's menacing and very scary. True. So, yeah, I, and I, I think you're right. It's...
1: But that's what sci-fi does for us. Right. I, I don't want to thank it. I've always been a sci-fi fan. Yeah. Star Trek, Star Wars, sci-fi and sci-fantasy, whatever you want to label them, they're both fine by me as long as you're telling a good story. And we here at the show have a very good feeling that E.J. De La Pena is telling a good story.
2: Yeah. Um, he's one of us, mm-hmm. you know, before the DVR, before the VCR. This was the guy that didn't go out with his friends on Thursday night because the show was on. Or mm-hmm. This was the guy, you know, like, and I did that, you know, mm-hmm. we had to build our life around these shows. You know, this is the kind he's one of us. Yeah. And finally, he's in charge of creating something.
1: Yeah. that he's
2: always wanted and and by he, extension we've always he
1: wanted he was a, a child actor in Hollywood
2: yeah oh. so
1: he <laughs> had the behind the scenes right. view of entertainment already by that time but he mentioned how he was a bit he, 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 he was raised on the next generation and that says something because that was very smart uh, uh, sci-fi writing mm-hmm. as a show and it was one of the first completely independent syndicated shows as well which is a rarity then but it's very commonplace now Uh, It's it speaks a lot to our expectations that he is so clearly a fan. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: As a matter of fact, if you want to listen to him, just be a fan. And trust me, you do. He is hilarious to talk to. That's why any chance we get, we always get him on. And uh, just recently, is no no exception. No. As a matter of fact, why don't you guys strap in and listen to me try to keep up with E.J. De La Pena as we talk (laughs) sci-fi, nobility, kamikaze, and... Got, I guess, anything else that pops into his head?
0: At magic interview
1: machine, please bring us EJ De La Peña. Meanwhile, hi, is this EJ?
3: Uh, No, this is a popsicle.
1: Well, well, everybody, we got EJ on the line. (laughs) Hey, EJ, how you doing? Hi,
3: everybody. (laughs) <laughs> good always,
1: always good to hear your voice.
3: <laughs> Back at you, man. Back at you.
1: <laughs> uh, and for those of you listening, hey, guess what? It's me, Grim Shea, again, and we're talking to E.J. De La Pena about, I don't know, what do you, you want to talk about uh, nobility a little bit, E.J.? What's that? I'm glad you asked, because I just spoke to uh, uh, an actress named Ellen Dubin. Uh, of one of the relatively late additions to the cast. And she, was, of all people, was the one who told me the world premiere of Nobility the Series is coming up in just a few weeks at Stanley's Kamikaze. Is that correct?
3: That is 100% correct. Um, yeah, it's going to be uh, a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to have a really neat, you know, uh, like all out premiere, and then we're also going to have. An extra long uh, panel, so it's going to be a lot of fun.
1: Well, I'm, uh, uh, you know, on one hand, of course, I'm very excited to hear that uh, this thing is coming out from under wraps. On the other hand, I'm a little disappointed. I still haven't received my engraved invitation. <laughs>
3: You no, know, you know what? We'll, we'll, we'll get you one, and it'll look just like a, like a wedding invitation, and you know, and, and it'll be proper dates and all that. And then we'll, have, and but before that, we'll do the save the date invitation. How's that?
0: Oh, I'm, I'm going to end
3: up
1: having to buy you a gift at at the end of this, aren't I? <laughs> uh,
3: yes, it's from your gift. Yes, that would be quite appropriate. <laughs>
1: All right, well I see I think actually uh it is appropriate that you are uh premiering this for the fans, you know. And this isn't for those of you listening, I assume mm-hmm. we're not talking about, you know, like an extended 8-minute trailer of of finished scenes. This is the real honest to god finished pilot, right?
3: Right. Well, we're having uh we're going to have the uh the main premiere. Uh where we're going to show the um, the entire thing and then we're gonna have the panel where we're gonna show uh the first couple of uh, webisodes.
1: Ooh, okay. How uh Yeah. Well well give me give me a little taste here. How long is uh the the premiere and how long are the webisodes?
3: Uh the premiere is gonna be roughly forty eight ish minutes
0: mm-hmm.
3: and then the uh the what we're gonna show is gonna be about twenty uh twenty minutes. Okay at the at the panel. So and that's going to be our our uh uh premiere for the fans. But da-da-da.
1: well, like I said, I think that's appropriate because uh this has been such a uh it feels like a real love note to fans, written by you and you come across as nothing but a huge fan. <laughs> and
0: you know, you've
1: I, done I... this for, you pulled yourself up by your own bootstraps and you convinced these sci-fi legends to join you. On this journey, and you've had me—you've had me on the edge of my seat for a couple of years now.
3: Yeah, uh, it's, it's been an incredible journey. We've been very fortunate to have had the cast we have, and I, I think you know it's funny—you're you're not the first person to to describe it, um, to describe nobility as a love note to, to sci-fi. And uh, the, the more and more I, I think about it, you know that that's probably a really good description for it. Um, you know, I, I grew up in the industry, um, as as you know as a as a professional actor, but then when um you know, as I started um, you know, going from from childhood acting and, and more into adult acting, I started focusing more and more on sci fi because I was I'm such a huge sci fi fan. And I kinda feel like this is the the culmination of all of that, of of both my, my professional experience and also my um, my uh shall we say obsession. With space right, opera, right. <laughs> Might
1: even still be letting it light, but that's fine.
3: <laughs> Just a little. I I I, I, mm-hmm. I can't come across too crazy. We're on the air, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It's been it's been a really fun ride, and uh, yeah, um, and then I mean, Alan Ellen, Alan's great in it. Um, uh, really happy. She, she kind of comes into it with this very kind of enigmatic aloofness that really imparts a lot of mystery, not just to the character, but to the story as a whole. And it's just, it's really fun to see how her and uh, the rest of the cast really brought so much to the story. Like, there are scenes that I was looking at the script and like needed the scene for exposition, but I felt it was it would be like too exposition heavy and, and really was, was not expecting it to be all that great. And it turned around and, and the scene I'm thinking of in particular is, is when she was in and between her and the other cast, they brought so much to it with their the the characterizations and the intonations and just the the little nuances they're bringing to it that it became one of the best scenes in, in, in the project. Well, I,
1: I I am excited to hear you say that because I got a good sense. of she obviously loves sci-fi as well, and she was mm-hmm. talking about how big a fan she is of nobility already. And she was selling it really well with a lot of ambiguity about what her part and all the Eugens and and what we can and can't expect. And then she subverted it. She 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 is one of your best salesmen. I got to tell you. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh you know i I've kind of been aware of that for a while, and then it was really at san diego comic con where i really fully came to that realization that she's just so like I was sitting next to her and, and and we were doing a a, a kind of comic con two signing uh and just seeing how she was interacting with with fans she's magnificent with with fans. And just how she was talking to them and relating to them, and and just the enthusiasm she had for the project—it was—it was really great to see. And and um, if Alan, if you're listening, thank you <laughs> for everything. <laughs> well, she well, and she's
1: not alone. One thing that has stood out to me because I've been in a in a very lucky position where I've spoken to almost the entire cast, some of them repeatedly. And and I've seen you, you know, I've gone to the panels, I've seen you at Comic-Con, and everyone involved in this speaks about it so lovingly. You know, it's not the lip service that you get in, in Hall H on the new Marvel movie and Liam Hemsworth has said, oh, this is a great one. I mean, everything, everyone involved, they really seem to be so personally invested in what you've created here. I I can't wait to be, to become an
3: active audience member. I, I can't wait to show it to you, man. And no, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that because I know that we've, um, definitely created a bit of of a, a little bit of a community here as we put this together. And, um, to see to hear other people seeing that people are, are invested in the project really, um,
0: makes me happy. <laughs>
3: but um, I think that's really indicative of
1: kind of sci-fi as a genre because it's becoming very mainstream. It's becoming really hip to like sci-fi, but I don't think mm-hmm. it's a case where, you know, it has demographically been sold out. Because I remember as a kid watching, you know, on PBS, the old Tom Baker, Doctor Who's, and I really got a kick out of it. But I never once in my head thought, well, tomorrow I'm going to go to school and I'll talk to... You know, other kids my age about it. You know, it was, you know, back then it seemed like sci-fi was something you could enjoy, but it was something sort of compartmented, and the community wasn't quite there. I mean, there's always been, you know, sci-fi as a genre has always had an excited but smaller fan base, but as time goes on, I mean, Doctor Who now is one of the most popular shows in the world. I think you know you've got Yeah, I wouldn't I would disagree with you there. all
3: the time. You know, yeah, so uh, I mean there, there's still a lot of that um uh, like when I was growing up in in the early '90s, like I, I would go to school. I I had the opposite reaction. I've always been kind of one of those people who gets really excited about something and and wants to share it with the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I um I, I I would go to school and I'd be like, oh hey, did, did you see last night Star Trek? And, and for me it was Trek. I guess for you it was Doctor Who. But for me it was it was Star Trek. And like oh and, and, and wasn't that really cool and all that and you know and nine times out of ten people would be like yeah no I missed it or yeah it's okay like it wasn't something that there was this like that everybody was enjoying and I think you're right it's it's really awesome to see it become more and more mainstream and accepted and um, respected I think I think there's always been a bit of um, oh well and all genre fantasy you know uh, sci-fi fantasy horror um, kind of gets this oh you, you, you like that stuff. And we're kind of seeing that go start to go away, I think, which is, which is great because it enables, you know, uh, idiots like me to go, hey, <laughs> I can share this with you now. <laughs> look at my show. <laughs> well, look at my show and then look at all the other stuff I like. That.
0: <laughs> Let me
3: share this with you. Let me share. I will show you the world. No. Uh, <laughs>
1: Well, I think you have started to show us the world, Aladdin. We appreciate it. And I think it is, maybe, maybe the Internet has a huge thing to do with it, too, but I think the, there is just a broader sense of community in sci-fi now, which, you know, didn't necessarily exist. It's not that it wasn't there, but – and I bet when you went to school and said, hey, did you see the new Star Trek, what did you think? And some of the people who said, oh, yeah, it was all right, or, oh, I didn't catch it yet, probably had seen it. They just didn't really feel comfortable enough, like – all right, now now I'm ready to start talking about it in public, and now I don't think anyone it, would think twice about that.
3: Interesting, I never really thought about that, but but you're right. You know, I, it just it never occurred to me that people would be ashamed of liking sci-fi. It's like they're cool stories they're out in the space. Come on, why not? You know, but no, you're right. You're right.
1: Or maybe I just walk around with nothing but self-loathing, and that's my own issue. <laughs>
3: Oh no, sadly enough there's there's plenty of that to go around. Yeah. <laughs> do I remember this one time when I
0: no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Well, well here, let me try and help your ego out then, you poor guy. Because I really do get a sense that uh obviously the situation is different, but let's say let's in our minds go back to 1967 and let's pretend there was an internet radio podcast that right before Gene Roddenberry convinced NBC, you know, in the long dearth between Buck Rogers and and Star Wars, to take a chance on headline prime time sci fi, do you feel? Do, do you feel kind of a kinship to Gene Roddenberry?
3: Oh, wow, um, I know that's, that's a I'm lot. Watching.
1: But I want you to process <laughs> it and think about it honestly, because I think there's something there.
3: Um well first off thank you wow that's um that's a big honor um do i feel i feel in in the sense that we're both creating universes that we hope inspire uh and in the sense that we're both working in uh a similar medium um and both are seeing a lot of hurdles, and, and we're, we're both experiencing similar a lot of the similar same hurdles and a lot of the same um, risks. And you know, Star Trek, you know, as you said, it was it was in this Gulf of um, uh, in this Gulf between uh, uh, Buck Rogers and uh, and uh, Star Star Wars and. And you know you're in the midst of a counterculture, and it was a very liberal message, which was very hard to get past people a uh, very progressive you know sensibility the original pilot heck had a had a female first officer, which back then was oh my god, you know then keep in mind that's that's back in the time when um uh, when women uh could barely get a typewriter position or anything better than a better than the typewriter position or a secretary position uh because they weren't not capable. Um, mistakenly so, but that I was thinking at the time, uh, and now we're facing where the idea where everything, everyone is thinking very negatively, everything out there is is like post-apocalyptic and dark and, and whatnot. So we're definitely in a lot of ways bucking the trend and and putting something out there. But, um, I mean, do I think I'm on that level? I think that's something I, I I'll have to let history decide after the
0: fact.
3: It's not something I can uh, I can sit there and go, oh yeah, you know I'm I'm gonna you know I'm gonna let Gene Roddenberry, George Lucas, and you know all, all of my heroes growing up. Yes, you know um, is that something certainly I aspire to 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 be on that level. Sure, um, I'd, I'd be dishonest to say otherwise, but um, you know. Um, they're, they're definitely folks I look up to, and definitely um, uh, I hope that um, this project can, um, can do a bit of good in the world just like Star Trek has.
1: Good. I'm glad you see it, I, and I hope you're seeing it. And what I'm hearing is that you do, but you see it as, as a certain responsibility to the community.
3: Oh, of course. I know um, that
1: this universe has been your baby, but uh, you're about to put it out out there to the public, and we are all going to... You know, if we like it, we are going to set up shop. We are going to try and own a piece of it.
3: And good. You should. Um, I mean, the sci-fi community, the sci-fi community is the one who, in my opinion, really owns these stories that we we all share, that we all love. Um, You know, I... it, it, I think it's really a really good way to, to put it, that, that there is a certain sense of responsibility there, just because, I mean, the way I view this medium, the way I view storytelling in general, is that stories are probably the most powerful thing uh, in human society. Um, whether it's a fictional narrative or a, uh, a true story that's been passed down, uh, a religious narrative. What, regardless of of your religious beliefs. I mean, if you think about it, you know the teachings of like Jesus, Buddha, and Muhammad. You know, and the parables they were telling, and and everything like that, it had profound effect on on human society. And whenever one goes in to start telling a story, I think that you can't ignore that fact that people, even if you don't intend it to be that way, people are going to take. Something away from that into their own lives. So,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: I think, and mm-hmm. and our our particular culture, our society is is very wired to that. I think, I mean, the, yeah, the English language is is basically just idioms. If you know every word in English, but you've never spoken with someone who speaks English, you won't understand a word we're saying. And, <laughs> You know, and idioms I'm are basically all just little tiny shared stories that we all have to have. So when you expand on that and you want to, you know, use use a larger story as personal expression, you if you do it well, you are going to get a lot of people who kind of jump on. And then, and they'll see it, you know, the way they want to see it. But if you engage them and if you use those stories and the way sci-fi, you know, tells these these simple human stories – uh, but sets them against fantastical, you know, not 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 unrealistic, but not you know, in worlds we've never physically been.
3: Right. Well, it mean, can't be, um, you know, in, uh, at least within our lifetime. Uh, I want, and that's one of the reasons why I kind of latched on to sci-fi. I mean, as a kid. It was all, all cool spaceships, and I liked the, the aesthetic, you know, you know planets and nebulas and ships in space and space battles and all that kind of stuff. Um, but as I've gotten older, what, what kind of led to my continuing to, to not only love the genre but to choose to work in it is the fact that it enabled you to get outside of modern day reality in order to turn around and take a look back at it um you know you know with with uh, star trek um is obviously the, the classic example of um using sci-fi in order to create morality tales you know regardless uh, if that's race or gender or you know discrimination or race discrimination or, or uh, even sexual discrimination I and mean, way back in the you know early to mid nineties uh next generation was was talking about you know homosexuality even uh back before that was a popular thing and and they had to be very careful about it because it could kind of you know uh cause a bit of a backlash back then um and then with um i mean you know that's just one example Babylon five was another example of things where you could turn around and and I uh, had a lot of teachings about race and building communities and coming together, um, and so on and you so forth. Uh,
1: those two examples uh, in particular, because I think at that time, uh, uh, now the original Star Trek kind of pioneered those sort of themes. You know, where can we have uh, a woman of color in a position of authority mm-hmm. in a ship? And suddenly, it was there. They had to create a spaceship in the future in order to get away with it. But uh the well, nineties when you had you know the next generation, uh, the the none of these were network shows then. And it maybe no. they thought they could get away with pushing the envelope more because they assumed they had less eyes on them. And I'm wondering if there's any do you think there's any truth to that?
3: I definitely think so. I mean I I in fact I I was just researching this um uh, about about both of those shows, um, uh, and uh, with with Next Generation, um, Paramount took it to to the networks, and they're like, "Yeah, shoot us a pilot script," or, or, or "Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll make a miniseries, and maybe we'll turn it into a show." And Paramount was like, "Screw you guys," and they did it, it as first run syndication, uh, which basically means they went to all the local markets and said, "Okay." You know, and worked out a deal with each of them to, to air it. And not only did it prove a lot more profitable than it would have been if they'd gone with a major network, but they didn't have to deal with the network standards and practices, their And so they could, as you said, get away with a lot more stuff. And I just found out that um, Babylon 5 was also first run syndication. Um, um, so I'm guessing that they had a similar, similar, that. That kind of same leeway, though I don't think they necessarily pushed it as far on some of the social, uh, um things. I mean, you know, they kind of hinted that maybe, uh, the first officer could be bi or something like that, but they never, they never really explored that or anything like that, uh, the way, uh, uh next generation did. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, with nobility, we're, we're going to go into a lot of the, um, a lot of things that are probably more, more um, relevant today, like um, uh, political gridlock and bureaucracy. Um, we're also going to be dealing with uh, eugenics, with, with genetic manipulation of humans, and a lot of things that that um, all creation of AI is another thing we're going to be dealing with, things that within the next 10, 20, 30 years, these are questions we're going to have to be dealing with, so we're going to have to, need to start that conversation today, I think.
1: Well, let's say – let's do a little hypothetical here, and let's say after, sure. uh, after Nobility comes out, it gets such buzz, has so many eyes on it, that the executives over at Fox give you a call. And they say, E.J., we love what we see. We want, we want to you know give you a gazillion dollars to make this show however you want to see it. However, we're going to tone down some of the social commentary for the mainstream market. And uh, and once again, you're getting a gazillion dollars here. Do you say yes, it's worth it, or do you tell them to take a hike?
3: To be perfectly honest, that's a question I probably couldn't answer until appropriately in, in, unless I'm uh, actually in that situation. Uh, if it's Fox, well, you kill fireflies, so I don't know, but uh, <laughs> but, um, but um, um as long as you know, if mobility is taken off, like like you said, and 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 you know, everyone is loving it and buying copies and buying merchandise and supporting the show any way they can. Chances are that personally, I'll be in a position. Uh, where my, my financial needs are being met, and the company is growing, and I'm I'm able to take care of everyone who's put everything into this project, um, both in front of the camera, the cast, the crew, and behind the camera, the crew, and, and the post team and, and everything. Um, and as long as, as everyone's being taken care of and, and me and my family are able to, to have our needs met, and we're able to continue the story, Uh, it's going to be hard for me to justify compromising the creative vision just to make more money when, you know, everyone's needs are already being met. Um, Would it be nice to have a gazillion dollars and shoot on location every day and, and have, you know... And, and put millions of dollars into sets, and millions of dollars into costuming, and and up everybody's uh, 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 wages and fees and all that. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, but my first loyalty has to be to to fans and doing right by by everyone who has put so much into it this far. Keep in mind that when the studio uh, studios and networks come to you and say, "Here's a gazillion dollars." They want to bring in all their own people. They want to recast a bunch of people. They want to fire a bunch of the crew. Assuming that's the case, that would make it hard for me to justify, because I wouldn't be doing right by those people who spent the past two years on this project.
1: Well, you you answer that exactly right. (laughs) Of course, it was a hypothetical, and I can't wait to see the TMZ article where you sign your gazillion-dollar check someday down the road. But I won't hold it against you. I'll just miss the EJ of the past.
3: <laughs> well, like I said, first off, like I said, you know, no one I think can honestly answer that question until they're in that situation. Fair. That point. said... um you know, and, and when that situation arises, I'm going to have to sit down and look at all the pros and cons, and do ultimately what's best for the show, what's best for the sci-fi community, and what's best for for the folks that have been a part of this this far. Um, well, you guys and, are
1: is this, and that's what I was looking for.
3: Cool. <laughs> Thanks, Rob. Yeah, um, um, but yeah, I was just saying that if that if sign, you know signing that deal and getting a zillion dollars is what's best for everyone. Then yeah, that'll be what I'll, I have to do. But uh, right off the cuff, not not being in the situation, I'm not sure if that would be the case.
1: All right, all right, fair enough. I'll 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 take you out of the hot seat. You handle that very well, <laughs> and I think you're still you still rank as a mega fan to me. Well done.
3: <laughs> well, gosh, sir. Thank you so much. I mean, I know it's—it's it's like I really like sci-fi and like <laughs> I really like watching this stuff, Sal.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. that's EJ for you, everybody. And if you want to geek out with him, you can catch the premiere at Stanley's Kamikaze uh, October 30th through November 1st, I believe, if I'm not mistaken.
3: Uh, yeah, November November first is when we're talking about it, uh, or is, is looking like uh, the exact day it'll be. Uh, we're still a couple of months out, so there's still a couple of uh, details still being counted out. But November first is, is the day to be there, I think.
1: All right, I'm I'm excited. I can't be there, but I'm hoping, EJ, I'm gonna be able to find it on the internet or somewhere very soon afterwards,
3: right? Right. <laughs> oh, forget it. Uh, hey, hey as, as soon as we got something to announce on that, um, and we're ready to make an announcement, uh, you'll be among the first to know, man. I, I damn well better be. No, I,
1: I believe you guys put in a lot of work. Uh, I actually even caught, uh, I didn't see you at Comic-Con this year, but I did see uh, a couple of the people I met last year at the booth uh, you, know, you know, the the kind of also mega fans. I would say people who are willing to be the sound guy, the webmaster, and the uh, and, and the app designer. All, all wear all those hats.
3: Oh, you're, you're talking about Z? Yeah, he he he's a great guy. He's a lot of fun, brilliant musician, and really talented with with graphics and web design and things like
0: that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I just caught him in passing like out like well, you know how it is a Comic Con just right outside oh, yeah. of the convention center. I was going one way, he was going another and even at a snail's pace it just happened too quick. I couldn't even get his attention. But I was real excited. Uh also, which leads me to one thing, if you don't mind, Marky e., I know did get a chance to speak to you, uh and did, did a little recording there there on the show floor, I think. And he said yeah. you had a great Arnold Schwarzenegger story but he, he's not confident in the audio he got you know, obviously on the showroom floor so he said maybe you could ask him to repeat it I said oh what's the story he said no you're going to have to ask him so I assume it had something to do with uh, when you uh, when you were in the movie uh,
3: Jingle All the Way with him uh, yeah and then, then he approached me and he said uh, have you ever seen a road man naked no I'm kidding <laughs> uh, <laughs> Gotta get the airplane reference yep. in there. Airplane, um, everybody, <laughs> never stop laughing at it. Oh, <laughs> uh, gosh, that was months ago. Um, I, had to, I, I I I wish he told you which one it was, because I got a lot of Arnold stories. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think I know which one he's talking about. I think I told him this one. Um, so, um, I, you know, Arnold was on set, and I was on set, and... and uh, we had a few things together, and and so you know we were oftentimes in the same area. And I'd be walking by, and he would bring his his children to set. And I, I don't know, you know, I don't I don't know if he has more than one daughter, but he had brought one of his daughters on set. Uh, and this happened multiple times, where, you know, I'd be walking by, and I'd and I'd always kind of been been I'd had it drilled into me. I was eight at this time, so I'd had it drilled into me since I was three. <laughs> you don't you know, approach the stars, you know, approach celebrities, you know, let them come to you, let them talk to you. So I'm just kind of, you know, don't annoy them, basically. So I'm just kind of walking around and, and, you know, I see Arnold there. You know, okay, sure. And I think this was during that massive uh, parade scene at the end where he's in his Turbo Man outfit. And so, yeah, so he sees me walking by. And his daughter's standing right there. And here he is in his massive Turbo Man outfit, you know, looking all heroic and all that. And he goes, hug her. Now, Arnold F. Schwarzenegger, I'm eight. And he's like, oh, you, you know, hug my daughter. He's, hug her. I am I, like, okay, yes, sir, don't hurt me. Hi, yes, yeah. hi, okay. I hug her. Okay,
0: hi, bye.
3: Well, if Arnold
1: Schwarzenegger told me to hug a cactus, I'd go over and hug it.
3: And pretend to enjoy it. Oh, no, yeah, no, you actually it. would enjoy it.
1: <laughs> so tell me, do uh, do you and young Miss Schwarzenegger still stay in touch?
3: No, no. Well, then
1: I guess yeah, it wasn't much of a hug, EJ. <laughs>
3: It was out of fear, okay? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it it it's quite um, uh, uh, typical to you, you do a project and then uh, everyone gets really close while they're on the project, but then as soon as the project's over, everyone gets so busy with their own lives, you you lose track.
1: Oh, oh, I and, could, I don't even remember all the things I've lost track of. I I hear you.
3: Well, it's kind of a point of losing track. You kind of don't remember.
1: Well, if you say so, I'm sure I've heard that before somewhere. Well, thank you very much EJ. You know, we always love talking to you. You are you you embody the fan and and the enthusiasm that we are trying to bring out in Helen ourselves and everybody else. So, thank you. You are a shining light for the community, and we love the work you do. And for God's sake, you've got to deliver nobility to me. Please.
3: <laughs> Well, thanks, Ben. No, seriously, I really, really appreciate it. And um, uh, you've been very kind, and and, um, I'm I'm honored and humbled, so thank you. Uh, And, uh, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get it out there. That's never been a doubt. Whether or not we'll get it out there, that's never been a doubt.
1: Good, good, because I'm going to ride your coattails all the way to the Fox (laughs) Primetime Gazillion Dollar Club. Now I know why you're being so nice. That's right. That's right. I'm in <laughs> the ground floor here, buddy. I'm following you.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Brad. Thanks. <laughs> We're at Monster Stadium. Frankenberry steps to the plate. <laughs> I'll fill it with my delicious strawberry-flavored cereal, Frankenberry. You're out. A good, nutritious breakfast with Kulchunk is a real hit. Frankenberry. Kulchunk. <laughs> Both you guys are glad. <laughs> Star
2: Trek The Motion Picture Collector's Close-Ups.
0: It's Mr. Spock. and okay uh-huh. You can get Star Trek The Motion Picture Collector's Close-Ups. Two on each specially marked box of the Monster Cereals. Uh, there you go.
1: The, you know you've made it into culture when they're giving your uh, your swag away with cereal boxes.
2: Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I think our very first episode, we actually literally talked about Saturday morning cereal. Mm-hmm. And uh, But one thing that we've never really talked about is the little prizes. I, I don't remember if we talked about the little prizes. The, oh. you know, the little toys and the giveaways and stuff that were in the box yeah. and how just awesome that was.
1: Um, uh, and there's a lot to talk about there.
2: It m- might have all been covered
1: in the '80s by comedians.
0: <laughs> yeah, talk about how true. they would
1: dump out the whole box to get the toy and whatnot. But uh. yeah,
2: uh, I was re- um, recently I bought it was a big, uh, extra sized box of Fruit Loops. You know, and uh, uh, I haven't had Fruit Loops in a long time. I, I love Fruit Loops, no. and it did it it. It had a giveaway, but you know, I'm old, I don't really care about that anymore. I wanted the sugar, you know? Yeah. And but anyway, I was, you know, eating the goddamn cereal. I poured it out and the frickin' thing, the Well, what was it? It was a floppy frisbee. You know, the ones that you open up and it's a frisbee? Oh. Okay. It's like a round, yeah. you know, piece of nylon or whatever. Yeah, I got it. And it was uh the Avengers two, so I got like it's like got Thor and Hulk on it, I think, or something. But you know, it's it was like it was like, Oh meat, you know, that little rush. When the toy pops out, oh, I got cool. it! Yeah, oh, I got it. Mm-hmm. Now we did. Uh, we used to raid the cereal boxes, right? So you would, you know, put your hand in the box, yeah, and you, you try to take it out. And I the worst thing you could do for shared <laughs> family food is root around with your 36 six-year-old hand in yeah. there. But we would. Well, there's a couple of um, casualties when you do that. One, you break up all the cereal, so it's you know it makes a bunch of dust and cracked cereal pieces. No. Okay. Yeah. And you find out when you get down
1: to the last couple bowls, and you just keep pouring out dust.
2: Yeah, and then you get that. Yeah. That's
1: very frustrating. <laughs>
2: but it makes great milk. <laughs> well, it does. Rainbow it does. colored it's milk. the right kind of cereal. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's worthwhile. And then uh, the other thing that happens is that you end up with a very pregnant box. Yeah. That will close.
1: Shows <laughs> all the cereal
2: <laughs> down <laughs> into one bulge <laughs> towards the bottom. Yeah, I know. Uh, if any, if if the cereal um, lobby. If they're out there and if they're still as strong as they used to be, the ones that I thought had it figured out were the ones that would put the toy outside of the bag inside the box. Yeah. That was the way to do it. That is the way to do it,
1: but you still run into the pregnant cereal box. Yeah, because you take the that, thing out. Because once you yeah. take it out, you can't get it back in without
2: machine help. <laughs> yeah, You're still, still going to get me- busted. It's a very mechanized process. Yeah. 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 So, there, yeah, that's it. Toys. Toys and cereal, baby. It
1: raised us all. Oh my
2: god, it's so awesome.
1: Also raised E. J. De La Pena. You heard him talking there. Uh, This is the first time hearing him. You were probably entertained. If this is the fiftieth time hearing him, probably still just as entertained.
2: Yeah, I. That guy has got an energy. I saw. Well, um, we hung out a little bit at Comic Con this year at at the San Diego Comic Con this year. Uh, They had a booth. It was very popular. Uh, I met Ellen Dubin uh, there. That's where we set up this whole uh, interview thing and all that. But, uh, yeah, EJ was there, and it's a bear hug when I see him. <laughs> it's a bear hug when I see him. And he's uh, – I, I don't – have you have you ever been around someone that he, and by extension you, are just smiling? You know what I mean? Like it's just so – there's just such joy here. You know, like he's he is that. It's a lot of energy, um, but a lot of um, uh, like a brightness to it. You, you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. very sharp. Uh, I, I don't. Uh, well, he exudes that. He, yeah, exactly.
1: Um, he's is the life of the party kind of personality? He's right. A, I. He's,
2: he's a joyous leader of men. He's a a fine mensch.
1: Oh, what a mensch. What a <laughs> mensch that EJ is.
2: He's a good fella. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 No, he's he's not a... he's very much a fan. So I'm yeah. glad he's got the resources to do something like this, uh, you know, aside from the inspiration. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and he, that's when he told me. Um,
0: his...
2: Yeah, he
1: told you, he told you his uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger story yeah. on the floor. The audio was so bad.
2: Yeah, that we have. You to tell have...
1: me that. Yeah, yeah. That, that's why I asked him about it in yeah. the interview. And uh, yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger.
2: Uh. Try to get him to hook up with the daughter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: You dare, there, there, boy. Well, I, 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 I found that to be so sweet and touching. It was a real window into the type of person that that like Arnold is because I, I think that he's basically taken. Uh, I, I was a husky kid. Mm. Now I'm not. I, I wasn't a husky kid that is now thin as an adult. Meaning. I was a husky kid sometimes, and sometimes I was a thin kid. I fluctuated up and down. I've, I've, mm-hmm. I felt that end of it before, where you, maybe there was like a pool party, and I didn't really want to go in the pool because mm-hmm. I didn't really feel that you know I don't want to go. I don't want to take my shirt off. Oh, you know what Marky's I mean? Body that, images. Yeah, body oh, images. Oh, that's too bad. That's <laughs> too bad, big guy. And, um, uh, when Arnold does that to EJ, I'm thinking to myself. You know, EJ. If you if if you guys watch uh, the Christmas movie, uh, what was Uh, it? Jingle all the way. Jingle all the way. Uh, EJ was the husky kid in there, Mm -hmm. and um, you know Arnold, who's obviously incredibly fit, Mister Universe and all that. We know presidential council of fitness. (laughs) Exactly. Back then, he sees this kid there, and he's probably a little, you know, uh, maybe let's call him a wallflower. You know, he's he's there on the side. He's he's going to tell he he tells this this kid that confidence, man. Kiss her. Yeah, yeah. You're worthy. You could do this. <laughs> you know like wow that's <laughs> I was just like I was blown away by that story. It was such a window into the type of person Arnold Schwarzenegger is. Yep. You know. And Good old
1: Arnie who did a lot of sci-fi himself. Exactly. It's the best among the best. That's an uh, that, that that's an argument for another time. He did some remarkably memorable sci-fi. Terminator. Terminator is definitely up there. That <laughs> is sci-fi done so well, yeah. although so well, apparently now it's been convoluted by mishmash sequels that yeah. contradict each other, and you know the whole John Connor kind of the idea that someone goes back in time to affect exactly. the future, right. the less you tell that story, the better
2: yeah, because it's, it's' it's a circle that you that doesn't make any sense,
1: yeah, yes, so every time <laughs> they make a sequel, they they just say, "All right, we're just going to burn
2: through a lot more logic on this one." And there's only so much to start with. T2 got away with it because it was an amazing, incredible movie. No, it did add to the complication to the complexity of the storyline. Mm. It did, in a way, kind of solve it and it gave it purpose. You're trying to stop the you know cyberdying yeah. systems or whatever. Um, now, now where the series is, it's
1: still sci-fi, but they're not bothering to tell any any human story
2: at all. <laughs> no, it's well, even though it does it doesn't necessarily hit all the same points, I go to the movie theater and I'm so enveloped in the mythology of it that it kinda doesn't matter anymore if it if it's good or not. If it's science fiction anymore. <laughs> you know, like it's just it, it it is science fiction, but it's bordering on fantasy at this point. But I want to see the vehicle that delivers I'll Be Back and Arnold Schwarzenegger and the, and the, and the endoskeleton right. and so those things. I,
1: at this point, you, you would just say you're a franchise fan.
2: Absolutely. Well, fine. Nothing wrong with
1: that. Absolutely. But he also did other sort of sci-fi movies. Uh, Total Recall was pretty good.
2: Yep. It Had some nice very some good. turns
1: in the sci-fi there. Uh-huh. Told a very entertaining story. Did Running Man, the, I which love is Running that uh, dystopian future Game uh, branch of uh, of sci-fi, mm-hmm. which is always a good way to
0: do.
2: I believe tire. it was a
1: Warn today right. of the evils of tomorrow.
2: Yeah, and I um, think that one actually hits a lot of points that are that are. Uh, I think that one got a lot of things right. It, it was, yeah. it's basically reality TV run amok. Yeah, right? you know they would yeah. they would In get a prisoners dystopian future exactly. where
1: the, if you. A if you' the audience, you're a part of the problem, and stop
2: being this, and yeah, it did do that yeah. again, a little heavy handed but it was so entertaining also funny thing about that, not one, but two governors, oh, also predator, yeah, yeah, yeah predator, another I science fiction it, a... so uh, for those of you not up on your on your civics uh Arnold Schwarzenegger was the governor of California, and Jesse the Body Ventura was the governor of Minnesota, yep. Yeah. So, there you go. Right. Sci-fi and the politics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Predator, another one. Predators, uh, another one. Fantastic movie. Yep. Um obviously we can go on and on. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. None of these are the the uh, what I would call the Star Trek correct level where you're just trying to tell human stories with very plausible um oh. space science fiction settings. There is That's the small difference. It's still entertaining as hell to watch mm. Arnold Schwarzenegger in a sci-fi movie, but none of them are what purists would say real sci-fi. There's no grand – Again, that's theme. not something I want to get into. Sure. I think it's fine to enjoy all of them, and mm-hmm. it does use and plenty of science them. fiction devices to tell very entertaining stories. Mm-hmm. That's
2: all it takes. No, but one that? He,
1: he did – the fact that he did so many of them also helped them to be that much more acceptable in the mainstream. Yeah. So – Every time you see a good science fiction movie in the multiplex now, you do owe a little bit of a thank you to Arnold Schwarzenegger and his kind of over the
2: top sci fi yeah. movies. Yeah. Oh yeah, I think I absolutely love it. That right. Well
1: that's 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 enough uh circle jerking over Arnold Schwarzenegger.
2: Okay, let's talk.
1: Let's talk to Ellen Dubin. Uh-huh. Before we before we lose track of nobility, which is again, I'll tell you one more time, it's coming out. The premiere is slated. Kamikaze October, October 31st.
2: 31st Get your tickets Red Carpet World Premiere At Kamikaze October 31st With Stan Lee Yep He'll no, be around He'll be somewhere there. <laughs> He's somehow, somehow involved in, in the thing If not
1: the, the premiere uh, But anyway we also talked to Ellen Dubin I think we should get her take on it And she is one of the nicest Nicest people uh, I can see why she and EJ get along so well as a matter of fact, that's enough pussyfooting around. Magic interview machine, won't you please take us to Ellen Dubin? Meanwhile... Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us at Saturday Morning Cereal. I am Grimshay, and joining me is Ellen Dubin. Hi, Ellen. How are you?
4: I'm great to be part of your Saturday Morning Show, and people can listen to my voice and wake up and eat their cereal.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
4: exactly.
1: And, uh, all you listening, this is probably not the first time you've heard Ellen's voice. She is a prolific voice actor. I think yes, uh especially I'm, I'm starting
4: to do more, yes.
1: True, true. And uh in fact I'll just cut to the chase because we're we're talking about nobility with you today, and we here at the show have been talking about nobility for ooh, I want to say about two and a half years now. We love talking with EJ and we're always getting updates and uh we found out you are one of the newest additions to the cast uh which was already one hell of a cast but you bring something more to it tell us tell us what you're doing on the show
4: well thank you i'm i'm always excited to be part of an indie kind of production um because they work so hard to get things off the ground and i'm very grateful to ej for finding me and being a fan of my work. And that's how he basically got the whole cast. So kudos uh, to him for doing that. And um, I play, um, just to uh, catch your your listeners up, but sort of a nobility is sort of, I would call it a dramedy. It's kind of the office meets Firefly. There's comedy elements, there's drama elements, there's a combo platter of those elements. And there's a ship of misfits, and I'm not on the ship of misfits. Um, And I must say that the ship of misfits includes the fabulous, iconic Walter Koenig and Doug Jones and um, the James Kyson, and then there's Kaz Anvar and Tori Higginson. They're on that ship. So that's a pretty amazing cast of characters on that ship. And then on my ship, it's myself and the fabulous Adrian Wilkinson from uh, Star Trek Renegades and Xena Warrior Princess. And then Darren Jacobs, a new actor, he's kind of on the Ship of Misfits, but there may be something mysterious about what he's doing on that Ship of Misfits. He's part of a group, uh, what I can say, of um, we're a very noble, elegant group of people called the Eugens, and it's a new race of people, and we come to the Ship of Misfits under the guise of just... Checking them out, being friendly, wanting to help them out. But we have ulterior motives.
1: <laughs> Ooh, isn't that always the way in sci-fi? Yes,
4: it is. And I'm the, um, exactly, and I'm the uh, colonel of the other ship. My name is Colonel Taya. And um, we, yeah, we come to uh, get the humans guidance. And the way I, I said that is kind of will reveal to your listeners that we may not... Be totally in favor of what humans do, and that's all I can say. But it's a lot of fun, and and uh, we we appear to be very kind and benevolent uh, group of people.
1: Ah, I see you say mm-hmm. you appear to be. You're leaving. You're okay. leaving a lot to be discovered in the pilot. I think.
4: Yes, I am. But you know what? The discovery is going to be revealed on. Apparently, I found this out at uh, Comic Con. Uh, when we did a panel there um, at uh, Kamikaze, Stanley's Kamikaze, at the end of October. So in about six weeks, people can see the whole show. EJ is going to show the whole show to the fans first, which I think is kind of neat.
0: Yeah, I think I'm
4: not surprised
1: I'm not surprised knowing EJ.
4: So uh, we're all very excited about it, and I've only seen little smidges of it, so... If I'm able to go to Kamikaze, and I'm hoping I will be, I will see it for the first time too with a fan audience.
1: Ooh, that's uh, yeah. And I would say I'm. Mm, I'm trying to do math in my head, which is not my strong suit, but I want to say we first actually did talk to him. It was a uh, maybe in April of I want to say 2013, and he had he said he had the entire arc written. And they were just getting you know, ready for pre-production, and
4: it's like um, exactly it's it's like a dad and a mom that plan their baby and their you know what the nursery's going to look like. I I find it fascinating when people have a whole Bible in their head as to all the backstory of our characters and what's going to happen in in the future with our characters. And yeah, he's had this this germinating in his head for a long time. It's a lot of work for the creators of shows.
0: Yeah, they, they yeah. really
4: pour their life into it.
1: Yeah, and to 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 have all of that, I'm obviously you know, this has been germinating for so long, uh, you know, for him. So this moment to actually show the fans the entire completed pilot, he's got to be excited. And I think just yeah. and you can't help but. But feel his excitement when you talk to him. Probably even just about what he had for lunch. So he's probably exactly. hard to contain at this
4: point. He's a kid in the candy store, and you know this is like a what a two and a half, three year birth with the actors involved. So you can imagine. I mean, I have no clue how long he's had this in his head for. You know how long this this has been going on in his own head. So this is years in the making for him. So this is going to be very emotional for him, I'm sure. So it's very very cool as an actor to be part of someone's. Uh, vision and someone's dream especially someone who's doing it on his own his own without a studio you know so that's that's pretty amazing in this day and age
1: yeah i, I get a real vibe this has got to be like like looking at gene roddenberry in 1967 oh. you know oh, just
4: that would be that would be amazing absolutely amazing so i'm not quite sure when our panel is but it'll be sometime in that and that's when the nobility will show
1: there's there's a good chance you, the the world premiere of nobility will be at kamikaze on Halloween. I can't.
4: Yes.
2: I
1: can't oh. decide if I'd rather look at the screen or the audience on an event like that,
4: <laughs> or a combination of both. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. That's going to be a thrilling day. I, I really hope I I'm I can make it. I, I'm really going to try and make it because I want to see his face and all the other actors and, and the creators will probably be there too. So going to be an incredibly uh, exhilarating day
1: yeah he's I think when we first talked to him about it it was a uh, him uh Cass Anvar and I think James Kyson and I think that yeah. was, they were the only confirmed and they you know and I think uh, Cass is also a producer so obviously when he got yes, in on a Cass ground originally
4: level, brought me on to the read-through and I was just sort of helping out and 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 EJ had known me from a crazy wild series I did Lex, and he, he was a huge fan of Lex. As a matter of fact, his ringtone had the series music on it for a while from from Lex. So you know, after I read, he went, "Oh, you you've got to do this part and uh, this regal commanding commander." And I said, "Oh, that's fantastic." So it, the read through kind of led to that. But he was a fan anyway. And um, then people just co- get coming on. You know, Chris Judge and Tori Higginson and. Adrian Wilkinson, and oh, there's another woman I wanted to mention, the wonderful Miracle Laurie from Welcome to the Dollhouse. She also plays a member of our group, uh, the Eugens, so Miracle Laurie is also in, in the show as well, and just kept adding sci-fi, iconic actors, so everybody, all of us have different fan bases, and we've come together and to create this wonderful show for for EJ, and um, Neil Johnson was the director, so Yes, I can't wait to see what the chef produced.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think uh, uh, over over the course of the last couple years, we've talked to Adrienne, we've talked to Miracle. I think you would be our third Eugen, actually.
0: Ah, well, which everybody
1: knows the third Eugen is the best Eugen.
4: (laughs) (laughs) That's right, and then there's Darren, who's also a Eugen. Yes, we are. EJ really has some great stuff up his sleeve with the Eugens. um, This so-called peaceful people.
1: <laughs> you keep going so dark. I, you you are really good at selling this.
4: <laughs> I'm also like to tease. I'm teasing you in a comedic <laughs> way. But, yes, there, there's definitely – that's what I like about a show like this is as an actor who loves to sort of teeter the comedy and, you know, uh, the drama line, you know, that sort of tightrope where you're sort of teetering on the edge there. I love that kind of combination as an actor, to sort of be serious and then yet have these sort of comedic kind of things or these dark, uh, sort of edgy moments as well. That's very interesting as an actor, and I think E.J. has that in his script uh, to be able to have that um, challenge for an actor.
0: Yeah, he's, I think,
1: he's he's created and written this, I think, as a fan, obviously, of the genre. He is he is as big a fan of sci-fi, if not bigger, than than any of us, which I think makes him uniquely capable term. of doing this.
4: Right, exactly. exactly. And I'm
1: wondering, um, you know, it seems to me like ostensibly sci-fi is a very popular genre, or or classically speaking, it has been. But it also kind of feels like maybe in, in, in this day and age, if you're a big fan of sci-fi, you almost have to go in almost defensively <clears throat> or at least there was, a, it seemed to me like growing up a lot of the time, you know, I wouldn't go into school and say, Hey, did anybody see Dr. Who? Whereas uh, now I yes. think it's becoming a little more mainstream. It's much more acceptable. And, and as somebody who's worked so extensively in sci-fi and you've got a great background in the genre, what, what's your take on that?
4: Well, first of all, I want to say that I, I hope I'll get hit hit for this. I have never followed sci-fi until in the last 10 years. I was never, I don't, I don't want to say I was never a fan of sci-fi because I just didn't really follow it, didn't really know about it. And as an actor, kind of doing more television 10, 15 years ago because I started out in the theater, I found these were the auditions going on. And as I started to go on these auditions, I went, this stuff is really fun and what people don't realize yes you know and and as an actor when you say oh I I did this sci-fi show and people sort of like oh really Mm -hmm. Uh, there's sort of there's a mixed bag there's the you know the fans that are true fans and are like wow and then there's the people who are sort of think that it's it's not good for an actor to do sci-fi there's sort of this sort of what's the word um snobby attitude like well that's not real acting and yet I beg to differ because within the sci-fi genre, there's stuff where, as an actress, you'll get sort of a more larger-than-life character, like I've done as Jiggerata the Wicked, and Lex, or someone was doing a Catwoman in Batman. But then there's the more kind of subtle, I'll say, law-and-order acting, where it's basically very conversational, and you may be set in a sci-fi world, like the supernatural drama I did, The Collector, which had very real stories about people negotiating with the devil and yes the devil is sort of an out there kind of concept but there were very real stories about love and honor and betrayal so there's many genres within the genre you know there's over the top there's more conversational there's more realistic there's kind of stuff in between there's stuff on a spaceship but all of it if it's well done whether it's over the top or not they're very human stories, so I don't think anybody going in now and saying I've done this genre, I've done this sci-fi show, or or whatever, or I've done prosthetics like the incredible, incomparable Doug Jones. He's still rooting all this stuff in reality, and yes, it may be larger than life or it may not be, but there's still a heart and soul in an Andy Circus and Planet of the Apes, or these. I think that this is something we should be proud of. And we should share with people. And yes, saying that you you love Doctor Who or that you are on Doctor Who, I think the greatest actors do sci-fi. The Patrick Stewart's of the world, the Shakespearean-trained actors. You know, we do video games because we're well-trained. There is absolutely nothing to be ashamed of. I am so passionate about this genre because there is so much meat for an actor or a fan. And I think any fan should shout it from the rooftops or any actor. I am not embarrassed at all to say I'm part of this genre. I'm very proud. Did that answer your question?
1: <laughs> that that more than answered my question.
4: Yeah. And I gotta yeah, say I you can...
1: really managed to turn it around from starting the uh, the answer out with, Well, I didn't really follow sci fi as a genre.
4: I didn't. I, I really didn't. And now I, I am I actually embrace it and look for this genre as an actor. Because there's so much within it, there really is
1: you know, I think it was uh I think it was actually uh Adrian Wilkinson who we talked to and asked her a very similar question, and she had the exact same answer because she does a lot of work oh, she
4: did oh okay,
1: you know I with, love uh, with all she that and she said once she cool. started doing sci fi she realized, yeah, it's kind of a it's a way to explore regular drama, regular human stories but still feeling like a like escapism, I guess.
4: Exactly, exactly. And you know, then, then there's the stuff also where you get into where you're being very physical and not only emotional, but the physicality of it if you're, you know, you're kicking ass or you know, as the warrior woman or you know, you're you're a queen and what kind of physicality. There's a lot of layers within this genre. So yeah, no poo poo from people. This is great stuff.
1: All right, all right. See I think I think the genre itself really is so propped up by fans. That's why what EJ is doing here is kind of the most important work you can do in sci fi.
4: A hundred percent and without I mean I know this is a cliche thing to say, but I mean it from the bottom of my heart. Without the fans we wouldn't be we couldn't be doing this. There is a no greater fan base than the sci fi supernatural uh world. Fans are awesome, absolutely awesome, the most dedicated, devoted people in the world.:
1: Damn right. She's talking to us, everybody. so pat yourselves I am. on the back.:
4: I'm kissing you all and hugging you all, and, and seriously, pat each and every single one of you, and I each and every day, no matter if it's two in the morning, one in the morning, whatever I have, half an hour, I always respond to each and every fan via email. Each and every one, because they take the time, I can take the time.
1: That you—you you are almost a cliche of of, <laughs> of the penultimate actress. God bless you. Oh well, thank you so much, Ellen, for uh, for calling in, Ellen Dubin. Everybody, if you have a chance, Stanley's Kamikaze, two thousand fifteen, October thirtieth to November first. So anywhere in there will be the world premiere of the Nobility, the series. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming just the pilot. I know he said he was doing a 10-episode a yes. season.
4: Yes. Right now they'll get to see the pilot. We'll get to see the pilot, all of us together.
1: Oh, I, I, I like how you keep us all inclusive. That's it. that's exactly the theme, and, and you were the person to talk to. Thanks, Ellen. Uh, You're
4: welcome, and let's talk again once uh, once the show airs, and we'll have more things to talk about.
1: Oh, absolutely. I don't know if uh, you were warned about this, but anyone who gets involved in nobility ends up on our show repeatedly.
4: Oh, great. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Presenting McDonald's Star Trek meal. Parents, take a good look. It's the only meal approved for your kids by the United Federation of
1: Planets. Outside, the Enterprise. Action. Intrigue. Five exciting boxes
0: based on Star Trek. The motion picture. Inside, a regular hamburger. Fries. Soft drinks. McDonald and cookie sampler and a Star Trek prize. Star Trek meal, games, jokes, puzzles. Your kids will love them.
2: McDonald's Star Trek meal. There you go. There's still plenty to market for Star Trek. <laughs> well, I think that was in 1980.
0: Well, that's yeah. a, well,
1: that's when they were doing the uh the Star Trek the motion picture. We uh-huh. were trying to. Uh-huh. This was back before TV shows became movies. And if you... This was an early attempt at it, and there's some argument if the first one did it. A lot of people say it was too – you know, the hardcore fans say it was done perfectly, the way it should have been. It was a little darker than the show. It adhered to a lot of really strict science kind of rules. Science-y. Uh, it treated the characters with respect, although it was really dark compared mm-hmm. to the show. And it went on a little bit long, some said. And it didn't have that swashbuckling kind of movie, yeah, action that you get out of Star Wars and such. So, I, and then I think uh, it wasn't until Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan mm-hmm. where it finally became epic. Yeah, where yeah. where people
2: said, "Yes, we're going to keep lining up for these." Seasons. This works. Mm-hmm. If you go back, uh, check out radio dot com. Uh, go on to the Saturday Morning Serial Archives. And check out I think it's our second uh nobility show. It may have been episode eight or nine of uh, Saturday morning serial, where we interviewed Walter Koenig and he tells us, um I mean, aside from him getting mad at you, um he told us that <laughs> I know well, so he was funny. fine with Um <laughs> uh, He I, I don't remember what exactly brought this on, but we were kinda talking about the you know the the popularity of Star Wars and compared to Star Trek and all that stuff, and he said something really, really, really sweet. He said that Star Trek the series is what allowed Star Wars to be made, and the success of Star Wars is what allowed the Star Trek movies to yep. be made. And that, you know, it's. And I think it's very true. Yeah, I am a I'm a fan of professional boxing. Mm. I, you know, I love well, I like the blood and the you know and all that stuff. But more so, I like the idea of the the lineage, the man who beat the man who beat the man who beat the man. This thing can go all the way back to Dempsey. You can trace it all the way back, you know, uh, to all these great fighters, you know. Yeah. And sci-fi does that for you as well, you know. If mm-hmm. from uh, the day the earth the the day the earth stood still, no. and you know the in the fifties there was the thing and all those movies, and then in the in the sixties the um uh, Star Trek and Battlestar Galactica um you know over and over and over again. Yeah, you One can thing just trace it back to another mm-hmm. Nassauan so circle of life. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Um and so, you know, we are here now to celebrate this um niche that has become the norm.
0: Yeah.
1: Well well put. Yeah. Well put. It is uh it's come out of the light Thank God for sci-fi. Uh, you even heard Ellen talking about how she wasn't really into sci-fi yeah. until she started working in sci-fi. And she – thank God she saw the light, just like the rest of us slowly have, and that you can tell great stories with sci-fi.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You're not corralled into,
0: the reality. well, I'm not, well, not going <laughs> to like this
1: because it's sci-fi, yeah. which means it's got nothing to say that would interest me, because that, that's just patently untrue. You can say anything you want using sci-fi. Mm-hmm. And now it's accepted. So it's no longer a turn off.
2: I agree. Yeah. I agree. Unless maybe you're a chick. <laughs> Women <laughs> yeah. that's just been a tough Women just sci-fi will never crack like sci-fi
0: it's a crack, I think. But <laughs> yeah.
2: That's ridiculous.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, we'll get hate mail for that one.
2: So um we be before we go, um we do have a giveaway for you. Uh the nice people at uh E Entertainment One Studio. Ah, uh, yes. They,
1: I swear to you, we are almost distributors for them. They give us so much cool stuff to give away.
2: Yeah, this one I'm really excited about. We actually gave a couple of them away a couple of months ago. I don't remember exactly when that was, but um, well, what are we giving away for them this time? Well, Is it the same time? Well,
0: Shay, doc, why don't, me, don't
2: you tell me a little bit about it? So
1: they're they're actually giving away sci-fi's fan favorite series, Bitten.
2: Is that the one with Laura
1: Vandervoort? Ah, uh, it probably is. It probably is. Yeah, I guess you'll just have to try and win it to find out. To She's sure. one of the but,
2: yeah. yeah. Odds are pretty good. You know, uh, Supergirl from Smallville. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. And the world's only female werewolf. Uh huh. It's and, a great uh, show, by the way. Uh, uh, you know,
1: see, I haven't caught that one yet. There's well, so
2: much on sci-fi. I opened I one and I watched it, and it's really good. Yeah. Uh, anyway, well, t- well t- it looks t- like, t- like
1: we're we're giving away a three-disc collector set, which features all ten unedited episodes. Mm-hmm. I I assume they were edited together to be presentable.
2: Yeah, and I actually – I just heard that they were actually filmed live. (laughs) (laughs) 492 hours of
1: unedited footage. Filmed live. No, it's 10 unedited episodes, so I don't know. Maybe they're dropping the F-bomb. You see a little cleavage. Not quite sure what they would have edited otherwise. Uh-huh. But it's also got a host of toothsome extras. And
2: toothsome extras, ah! Oh. <laughs> oh, oh, oh.
1: Well, now, Entertainment One conjures up Bitten, the complete second season, in this loaded three disc DVD set. And it sees the return of Vandervoort as Elena, Grayson Holt from Alcatraz and Durham County as Elena's passion, passionate partner, Clay Danvers, and Greg Brick from A History of Violence as the alpha pack leader, Jeremy Danvers. The complete second season also includes a coven of witches who who turn to the pack for support. Tammy Isabel from Saving Hope stars as the calm and level-headed coven leader, Ruth Winterborn. (laughs) Uh Tommy Amber Peary from Michael, Tuesdays and Thursdays, is cast as Ruth's daughter, the outspoken spitfire Paige Winterborn. And Kiara Glasgow from Copper stars as the young and impressionable Savannah Levine.
2: Uh, I, I think it's pronounced Copper. 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 Copper.
1: <laughs> yeah. Returning to Bitten are Steve Lund and Nick Sorrentino, Michael Xavier as Dr. Logan Johnson, and Janelle Williams as Rachel Sutton. All fine names. All fine names mm-hmm. and fine performers. Anyway, you can you can be the judge of that yourself if you want
2: to win this from us. What do they got to do, Marky? Uh, I will accept... Uh let me think here. I think we should do the Twitter stuff. The Twitter stuff? Yeah, I have this really cool graphic of Oprah saying, "You get a DVD and you get a DVD and you get a DVD." And I like to use it. Oh, okay. Okay, so oh, fair enough. tweet us at StayClassySDCC. Um you have to
1: send us a tweet with 141 characters. First one to do that, <laughs> bam. <Bang. laughs>
2: the Winner. first I think I have Five. I opened one. The, fir- the first four. The first four. Yes. Uh, you guys, guys have <laughs> been <laughs> dipping into your own supply. Yeah. yeah, just tell me, hey, where's, um, hey, bite me. How about that? Oh, okay. How about, okay, send me a tweet at SDCC called, hey, bite me. All right? And I will send you one of these awesome So once again, that's Stay
1: Classy at SDCC. No, it's at Stay Classy SDCC. Stay Classy. Oh, I forgot my Twitter handle rules. Uh, At At Stay Classy SDCC. Uh Uh-huh. And tell Marquis to bite you.
2: That's right. And he just might. Absolutely.
1: All right. And when you hear back from him, please respond so he knows where to send it.
2: Yes. I have some unclaimed stuff. Um, I've had to donate to the Salvation Army. And I... Admittedly, oh, a very awesome and loyal listener, a very dusty um, version of Grace because it's still sitting here unmailed.
0: Oh, so okay, I'm going to
2: get that to you. Don't yeah, worry. Yeah,
1: we're we're ending this
2: right now. So Please that That's embarrassing. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, I'm going to send you another. I'm going to send you Ricky Blue. You gonna you gonna throw in Rookie Blue? Yep, just a, uh, season, season five, five volume, volume one, one. of uh, Rookie Blue. This looks good. I haven't seen it yet, but this looks. I, I think you're gonna like it. All well right, we'll throw that in there too, just as, <laughs> as a sorry. And I am you so go. sorry. All right, anyway, I we have beat this sci science fiction stuff to death. Yeah, I don't think there's anything more we can say or think
1: until we see the premiere at Kamikaze October 31st. We're gonna be there. At least some of us. So it, it, whoever can be there should be there. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. And uh, well, that's enough of this, huh? I feel you.
0: Now we know, and knowing is half the battle. oh, this is enough of this.